This morning is our first gathering on a Sunday together in 18 months or so, and I'm just chuffed to bits that we're going to be digging into this season one of my absolute heroes, Elijah. We're starting a brand new sermon series simply titled Hungry, Lessons from the Life of Elijah. But before I get stuck in, I want to ask you a question. Um, have you ever seen a superhuman? I do not mean a superhero. I do not mean lycra, uh, underpants on the outside. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a real person that is like a super person, like a superhero in some way. Someone who you've just thought, wow, they're impressive. Because every now and then, you might come across someone like that. I do, occasionally. Someone who seems, when you meet them, they just seem to hold themselves well. They seem to stand tall. They kind of look chiselled or perfect in some way. Even their walk is impressive. You know, the people I mean, they're successful, they're capable. I love it, someone at the back is going, no, I've never met anyone like that. Um, they're, they're able to speak well, articulate, potentially charming or authoritative, one of them. You know, they're in command of all around them. And looking at them, it seems like they're a cut above us mere ordinary Humans, You know, uh, like the issues and worries of life don't seem to touch them in the same way as me and you. Perhaps you can think of someone like this. Perhaps you've met a celebrity or someone famous and you've seen them in real life and you're like, gosh, they're bigger than I thought they were on TV. They're kind of, you know, impressive and maybe you felt a little intimidated by them. Now, we love going to the Eden Project. Is this one on? Is this one? Have I muted it or have I got that right? Brilliant. We love going to the Eden Project as a family. I don't know if you've ever been. An inspiring place, turning an old abandoned mine, um, or quarry rather, into uh, just the most extraordinary place where plants and beauty grows. I just think there's such theology in that place. Um, But one time we were going along, and there was this chap in front of us who seemed quite knowledgeable. And then we realised who it was. He was talking and being chaperoned by an Eden Project (coughs) member of staff. And then we suddenly realised it was this chap. Ever seen this chap on TV? Ben Fogel, he's called. We love watching Ben Fogel on TV. And Mick Beck's like, that's Ben Fogel. He's just in front of us. You know what it's like. And as he walked around, I'll have to be honest, he was impressive. I'll be honest. He was being chaperoned by this Eden member, but he knew far more than they did about what was going on in the rainforest biome. Um, He knew more about the plants and wildlife. As he went around, he began explaining the intricacies of plant growth cycles and microclimates and various Latin names of certain rare species to his two children who were with him. And my kids, totally oblivious to who he was, were just tagging along, listening to, (laughs) looking up, going, oh, that's interesting. And I was listening in as well. And as he walked in front of us, I just realised how tall he was, how clever he was, how massive his calf muscles were compared to mine. Um, as he walked around in his immaculate brown shorts and his sort of chino shirt that he had on and his, his desert boots. I mean, he looked like Indiana Jones, for goodness sake. And there was me behind him in a puffer jacket, red and sweating, pushing a dirty old buggy that had, like, Sainsbury's carrier bags filled with orange squash and biscuits. You know. (laughs) It was unbelievable how impressed I was by this guy. And truth is, when you meet some people, you can actually feel a bit small around them. Oh, yeah, that's a nice plant, isn't it? Whatever he just said, you know? They seem untouchable like a superhuman. 
And if any single character in the Old Testament was like this, was like a superhuman, it was definitely Elijah, a total hero of mine. And I'm just going to give you a flavour for why I think this, because if we start with our passage this morning, in it he literally just turns out from nowhere. With no introduction, no backstory, no explanation, we simply read, Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishba in Gilead said to Ahab, I'm going to do his voice, because I think it's going to be an impressive voice. As the Lord, the God of Israel, stands. I'm not going to do his voice anymore. It's too dramatic. Whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years, except at my word. I mean, what? I mean, who on earth is this guy? Who does he think he is? Because let's realise what's going on for a moment. Let's get our context, our history right at a moment. It's around 870, 860 BC. So this is long before Jesus. And Ahab is the most powerful ruler in all the land. He's the king of Israel, the northern uh, uh, territory. You've got Judah and you've got Israel. Um, but he's the seat, really, of all political and military power in the region, all around. Uh, people are subservient to Israel at this time. And we read that this un- previously unheard of prophet, presumably, rocks up to the palace, walks up to the king, swaggers on in, no doubt in the presence of guards and palace glory and splendor, and he declares, there is going to be no dew or rain these years except by my word. And the extraordinary thing is that the rain stopped from that moment. I mean, honestly, who on earth is this guy? That he can control the rain, apparently? This is perhaps the single best entrance in the Bible. I mean, it's right out there, isn't it? This is extraordinary. The truth is, it just carries on getting more extraordinary from here. In our passage, we read that the word of the Lord now speaks to Elijah. The Lord's involved here. Of course he is. And he directs him to take shelters, we heard, next to a brook called Cherith or Kerith, which we believe was probably like a wild ravine with plenty of rock hiding places east of the River Jordan, probably on some kind of tributary into the river. And we read that during this early period of drought, because the drought was going to last for three years, the Lord himself sent ravens to feed this guy. Bread and meat in the morning, bread and meat in the evening. I mean, really? And he drank from the brook. I mean, who is this figure? Who is this Elijah? And if that wasn't enough, and I've got that in bold and italics, if that wasn't enough, as we dig into the scriptures this term, we're going to discover that even more amazing things happen with Elijah. This is a man who single-handedly, and I'm not going to spoil all the stories, but he challenges the most powerful prophets of the pagan god Baal to a duel, and God answers in glorious power and fire to prove that Elijah is indeed his servant. And this is a guy who, uh, in front of all the people, isn't afraid to stand up and challenge the king. This is a man who speaks against the king's injustice. He speaks condemnation to the king and to his military leaders. He defends the poor. He raises the dead. He even casually calls down fire on people that wind him up. I mean, really? Really, you don't mess with Elijah. And finally, if that wasn't enough, because apparently it's not, as if it could get any more spectacular than that, 
when he comes to the end of his life, instead of dying, yes, a golden chariot from heaven's armies, the angel armies of heaven, sweep down and pick up Elijah and take him up to be with the Lord. I mean, wow. We have so much to dig into and explore this time. It's such an exciting uh, part of scripture and such an exciting character. But you know, even that, and this is, I'll be quick here, sorry, there's so many even that's. Even that isn't the end of the story of Elijah. For 300 years later, have a look in your scriptures and you'll see he keeps popping back up. He's not finished yet. Malachi writes that one day God's going to send Elijah back again. As part of God's plan of redemption for the whole world, Elijah's going to come first to prepare the way and turn hearts back to God. And amazingly, you may know that still to this day there is a Jewish custom of leaving an empty chair and a a cup of wine and a bit of uh, bread ready at the Passover table. Who for? For Elijah. For when he turns back up. It's an extraordinary prophecy and when we jump to the New Testament we discover actually that when John the Baptist is due to be born, when Elizabeth is pregnant with him, the angel says what? Says this, he will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God and he will go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. It's amazing, really. And it comes as no surprise then. And now when you hear them, in, as you read your Gospels, it will come as no surprise when you hear people time and again thinking that Jesus was actually Elijah. The king hears about what Jesus is doing. Is it Elijah? Some think it's Elijah come Back And even on the cross, when Christ calls out, Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He is misheard by the people. He's calling for Elijah. And the Mount of Transfiguration, the moment where we glimpse the real glory of Jesus, he climbs that mountain, and who's he there with? In glorious holy light, Moses, and yes, you've guessed it, Elijah. If I were a barrister, I would now sit down and say, Your Honour, I rest my case. Elijah is the most extraordinary, heroic, superhuman I can imagine. We look at him and go, wow. And if we're honest, you and I can feel so small and insignificant in comparison. I mean, when they write up my life, it ain't going to look like that, is it? Let's be honest. But the truth is, as we discover... And by the way, no one's going to write up my life. Who do I think I am when they write the tones of me? Yeah, no. But if they wrote about our lives, you think, it's nothing like that. But if we conclude that Elijah is some superhuman, then we can conclude wrong. Because right there, nestled in the book of James, if you heard John read it, is the most amazing little sentence. And it's this. Elijah was a human being just like us. Really? Yes. Let that sink in for a moment. Elijah was a human being with the same nature, is what the text is saying. The same feelings, the exact same humanity as us. But if that's true, 
What on earth was going on? What enabled him to do all of these things? Surely we could think it was because he was made of some superior stuff. He was ontologically different, if you excuse the big word. But no, he was just like me and you. And I want to suggest to you an answer this morning. What set Elijah apart, what made him how he was, more than anything else, And it's this. He was hungry. He was hungry for God. Elijah was hungry for more of God in his life. And hungry for more of God at work in the world he saw around him. You see, James deliberately wants to pop this bubble. He wants to smash the myth when it comes to Elijah the superhuman. Because let's be honest, when we think someone is somehow far superior to us in their very nature or being, it might impress us, we might go, wow, they're made of different stuff, but it doesn't inspire us because we just think, good for you, I can't do that, I can't be like you, I'm made differently, but actually, James is saying, no, no, dear believers, don't you realise, even the mighty Elijah was no different, he was just really hungry for God, he wanted more of God at work, more of God's spirit at work. Because James fills us in with this fascinating backstory to the passage we read today. Our passage simply says, Elijah turns up, there will be no dew nor rain. But James fills it in a bit. It wasn't just a swan up and declare moment. No, James says, Elijah prayed earnestly that it would not rain. He hungered, he longed for, he petitioned, he called up, he earnestly sought God in the private place of prayer long before standing before the king. He was hungry for God. But why no rain? Why pray for this? Well, we read in the previous chapter that Ahab, the king in Israel at this time, was evil. Not only did he disregard God, he encouraged all the people to do the same. He set up pagan worship throughout the land. He married a pagan queen called Jezebel. We'll find out all sorts more about all of this as we go through this term. He sought to kill all the God's prophets. There was gross injustice throughout the land. And the Bible says that Ahab did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. And Elijah cannot stand it. He hates it. His heart breaks. And instead of despairing, instead of hiding or acquiescing and saying, well, that's life and there's nothing I can do. Instead of Sarah, Sarah, Elijah hungers for God, for the living God. For more of God's presence, for more of God's justice, for more of God's glory, for more of God's rule in his lifetime. He's not hungering for Ahab's kingdom, but for God's kingdom to come. He doesn't hunger for his own fame or hunger for power or position. He hungers for truth and righteousness. Hungry for the people to turn their hearts back to God. Hungry to see God's name lifted high and honoured in his time. And we hear this in what is perhaps my most favourite Elijah quote. That if one quote sums Elijah up more than any other, it's this. Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, this day let it be known that you are God. And I am simply your servant. And the things that I have done have only been according to your word. I wonder as we come back, friends, now. Before we race ahead, before we worry about the many things that we may, should, could do. Good things and wonderful things, I have no doubt. Perhaps the best place for all of us to start is to look inside us. 
How are we doing? How are you doing with God? How's your heart? How's your soul? To look at our lives and then to look around us as well, our village, our towns, our communities, our hurting world. And to recognise simply we need more of God. Let's go back to the basic place of saying, do you know what? The answer is more of Jesus. More of God's spirit. More of his presence. Let's get hungry not for our own efforts, but for his presence. For his love, for his peace, his healing, his joy, his kindness, his justice, his kingdom. Just as we sung at the beginning, let your kingdom come, Lord. Build it here. Because if there's one thing this pandemic has taught me, it's taught all of us, is we're not superhuman. Anyone want to put their hand up and say, oh, I'm in the Elijah superhuman camp? Not a single one of us, right? I'm certainly not. All of us are fragile. All of us are vulnerable. All of us are liable to struggle. Scripture says God knows we're mortal. He knows we're but dust. Perhaps right now you're really feeling it. Perhaps you're not sure if you're ready to crack on again, whether you're at home or here. Don't underestimate, friends. I want you to be kind to yourselves. Don't underestimate the last 18 months, the impact it's had on all of us. We've been something like a national or worldwide trauma, really. And it's ongoing still. We're not through it yet. I'm aware of that. We need to be aware of that. And it will have hit our well-being, our health, our routines, and yes, maybe even our faith. And it's no surprise that for many of us, we're not sure how we feel about it. Are you ready? Yeah, I think so. No, I'm not sure. And perhaps this morning you feel you're not capable or you're not sure you can really do it if you've got the strength, if you can do it on your own. And the truth is, I just want to say, if that's how you feel, you're in good company. Because despite all of his glorious victories and impressive prophetic record, Elijah knew he wasn't capable of doing any of it on his own either. And as we go through the weeks, we're going to discover that this mighty warrior of a man, this supposed superhero, this Indiana Jones and then some, was also fragile and vulnerable and liable to struggle with the pressures of life just like us. We see him fall and we see him fail. We see him depressed and wanting to throw it all in. He goes from the mighty victor to sitting under a tree and saying, God, I'm no good. And like everyone else, I feel rubbish right now. I'm not able. I want to give up. You see, as we begin to look at Elijah this term, at the beginning of this new season, the first thing we need to learn from him and from the way God looks after him even this morning as we hear him feeding him with the ravens, is that all of us need tender care. All of us need love and patience with ourselves and with one another right now as a community of believers. None of us can do this in our own strength. None of us should try. And that's why Elijah is my hero. Not because he's a superhuman. This was the first passage I ever preached on, Elijah, years ago. You can preach on anything, Matt. Right, I want to preach on Elijah. Not because he was untouchable, but because he was built a bit like we all are. Bust, sometimes, just like I am. He could be strong, but sometimes he was weak, like I am. Although he wanted to please God, sometimes he struggled, like I do. Elijah was a human being, just like we are. And yet God did some wonderful things for him, friends. Inspiring things, extraordinary things. Why? I'll come back to it. I'm going to conclude with it. Because he was hungry for God. So where are you, God, he would say. Where are you when I look around? Show up, God. 
more of you, God. And God really did show up in amazing ways. So as we go forward, I want to encourage us all to come back together with love and patience. Let's recognise we're all at different stages, some ready to go, others still needing more time, many somewhere in between. My guess is, for most of us, somewhere in between. Let's move together with care, with generosity, but let's recognise that the call of Jesus is still to each and every one of us to come and join him, to not sit back, to not give up, not to do nothing in this next season, but to step forward, to play our part and join in the mission of God together. Not in our strength, but in his. Because if there's one thing we recognise right now, it's that we need more of God, don't we? Do you need more of God in your life? I do. More of God at work in his church and in this world, in our villages and communities. The wonderful thing I want to encourage you with, and I have utter confidence in saying this, is that God will be up to something. He is up to something, because that's the God he is. He is the God who has plans, good plans for us, plans for this world, plans for our communities, plans for your family, for you, for this church, plans to bring about more of his kingdom in our time. Plans to pour out his spirit and touch our lives and communities afresh. But it won't necessarily be the same as before. As Mig said at the beginning, it can't be. We've changed, the world has changed. But he's not. He's just got new plans. I'm stirred to believe more than ever that we need to hear the words of God written by the prophet Isaiah. Just hear these as I've come to conclude and if Bex you could be ready and kneel because we'll just keep an eye we'll try and finish by 12 hear these words from the prophet Isaiah forget the former things do not dwell on the past see I am doing a new thing says the Lord now it springs up do you not perceive it I'm making a way in the wilderness streams in the wasteland The wild animals honour me. The jackals and the owls. Why? Because I provide water in the wilderness. Just like he did for Elijah. Do you hear the resonance? Streams in the wasteland. To give drink to my people, my chosen. The people I formed for myself. That they may proclaim my praise. Friends, we're at the start of coming back once again into our doors. For all of us, whether you're here this morning or not, we're in this together but let's recognize before certain activities begin to start up again let's recognize they won't all happen at once they won't all happen as they did before see i knew doing a new thing there may be some changes some you might like some you may not some you prefer some you're not sure about we're in it together we'll talk together we'll journey together we'll listen to jesus and we'll follow him so let's come with understanding and grace not frustration or impatience Let's come with imagination and creativity. Let's be open to the lead of the Spirit as he leads us forward. And let's pace ourselves and look after ourselves. But most of all, most of all, I want to say to each one of us this morning, let's get hungry. Hungry for more of God. Hungry for more of Jesus in my life, in your life in our gatherings, in our families, in our community, in our world, in our church. Hungry for more of his spirit to bring rejuvenation, kindness, love and healing. Hungry for his name to be known 
in our villages, in our towns, hungry for his justice and compassion to break in more as his kingdom comes, hungry to see lives transformed by the presence and compassion of Jesus the King. Because it's God who's doing something new. We don't want to just try lots of new things. We want to know what God's up to and we want to join him in it. And I guess I'm asking, are you ready? Are you hungry? Are you in? Are you wanting to follow Jesus in this season? Because I am. I just want more of him, less of me. Let's get hungry. Because when we're hungry, we're saying, I can't do this without you, God. I don't want to do this without you, God. We don't want to do it without you, God. Come and show. Come and show us. Come and lead the way, Lord. Come by your Spirit. For when he does that, as we know in Scripture, and we know from the past, and we'll know again, he can do far more than we dare ask or imagine. Can I invite you to stand, please, if you're able? Elijah was an untouchable, mighty superhero. No. Elijah was just a man like us. But he was hungry for God. Can I invite you, if you recognise a hunger in yourself now, to do a very small thing and literally just put your hands out in front of you. If you don't want to, please don't feel embarrassed or obliged. But if you're ready to just say, Lord, yeah, I'm hungry for more of you at work. I'm putting my hands out. More of you in my life. Then let's do this now as we pray. Lord Jesus, we say we can't go forward on our own. Lord Jesus, we say we don't want to go forward on our own. Lord Jesus, we don't want to build our kingdom or Crete St. Michael Baptist Church kingdom or any other kingdom but yours. And Lord, as we look inside, we realise we're hungry for you. Hungry for your presence, your tender loving care, your spirit and your peace and your strength. So that we may play our part, Lord, in your mission, in where you're leading us. We say, lead us on, Lord Jesus. We're hungry for more of you. Come, Holy Spirit, now, as we sing our final song together. Let's stay in this place of prayer and worship.